just want to watch the game. Hello, 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 and welcome to On and Off the Pitch. It's a Christmas special. Uh, yeah, how are you all? It's uh, the last one before the end of the year. This is a Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, and I, I'm glad, in a sense, that we've reached this point of the year because it, it means that we can all have a break. But if this is your first time here, special hello. Uh, I'm Rodney Cyrus, and this is a pod chat based around the world of women's football and beyond. So, uh, before we get into the the kind of the the nitty gritty of the the pod chat today, um, I want to say a thank you to to everyone who has been on the podcast this year, everyone who's been involved, everyone who has basically given up their time um, to to be involved in this conversation around women's football. And I've been very, very lucky to have spoken to a great number of individuals who are very interesting, who have their own podcasts, who are very knowledgeable and who are very engaging. And, and you know, it's it's for me, it's 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 really, really good and, and brilliant. So. Um, I am flying solo today because everyone else obviously will be dealing with Christmas stuff. So, yeah, and this is just a roundup. This is not nothing in, in this is nothing too detailed, but it could be, you know, because there are a couple of things that I want to, I kind of want to talk about um, in relation to to the year, uh, and, and the areas are, you know, relegation and promotion. Um, an area is what is a safe space in the women's game, and sponsorship. And sponsorship—that's that. That in itself is is one of the the, the main areas that I want to I kind of talk about. And and what are the best things? What are the best things that have taken place in twenty twenty one? You know, for you as a fan, what are the best things? Uh. And it's and it's and it could be anything. It could be anything. I, I there are two things that stand out for me, but it could be anything. You know, um, so so there is that. So you know, in terms of the, the areas of the topics that we're going to talk about, I want to start about relegation and promotion. You know, so the start the start of the, this season. You know, 21, 20, 22. 22 it sounds strange. Uh, you know, championship promotion. Uh, Leicester promoted um, from the championship. Um, Bristol relegated from the WSL, you know, so for the, at the start of the season, a, a brand new feeling for both teams um, in terms of what they're going to do. Excuse me, my phone is making noise. Um, in terms of how they would approach the season and what they would do going forward. And, and it would it would be a really difficult kind of experience, I, I, I sense, for, for, both, for both teams, you know. Leicester being promoted, what they do. Bristol going into the championship after a, a, a long period in the WSL. And, you know, it'd be a new feeling and sensation for their fans. It would be a new feeling and sensation for the players and the management. And, you know, based on <clears throat> how you you saw both teams perform in the previous season, you would have thought that great things were going to be on the table for Leicester being promoted 
and Bristol would find it very, very difficult. You know, you would assume that that would be the case. You would you would go some way to think that that, that is going to be the bread and butter of what's happening. Um, but that wasn't the case. That wasn't necessarily the case. Um, Leicester, I've had a terrible, have had an absolute terrible, terrible first part of the season. They have won one game, which is, you know, good for them, but nine defeats. And, you know, despite having a very difficult season so far, they're still optimistic about going forward and what they're going to do. And, you know, they removed their long-term manager um, not too long ago, Jonathan Morgan, who had previously signed a long-term deal in the summer. It seems such a long time ago, the summer, considering where we are now. Uh, but the results tend to have a kind of action in terms of what's happening in terms of the expectation and the outcomes. So for Leicester's point of view, even though they were promoted to the WSL, even though that they were um, seen as, you know, this swashbuckling team that would come up and challenge many of the teams in the uh, top league, it hasn't necessarily gone to plan. And with that, there's been a change of management and hopefully a change of personnel and what that will mean for them. Um, so Jonathan Morgan's gone, um, a new manager, they've got a win, in comes Lydia Bedford, and they've got three points on the board, they've got a win, they've got something to look forward to in 2022. So that's for them. That's what it's been so so far for them in terms of promotion and relegation. So for Bristol, who left the WSL and went to the championship, they had a very difficult start to their season, but their, their, their journey has been very different to Leicester's, where Leicester thought that they were going to be doing really well. They haven't. Bristol probably felt, you know, the heavy weight of being relegated, what would life be like for them in the championship. They were unsure about how the field, in terms of what who they would face, what was going to ha happen to them, how it would lay out before them. They lost players. Um, players moved on um, to other championship teams. Some players went to Liverpool, followed Matt Beard, who was brought in for a period. Some moved beyond the UK shores to apply their trade. Um, and their long-term manager... Uh, left, you know, after uh, a long period with them to join Chelsea's coaching staff. So very, very different kind of journeys for both teams. And, you know, what I would say Bristol, despite having one defeat in the first game, and they've lost three games overall in, in the games in the championship, they've had a much better run of it. Um, and they have got five wins, so, it's, you know, for them, you know, really, really good. They're fifth in the table. Their first half of the season in comparison to Leicester has been really good. It's been, you know, chalk and cheese. Now, I know a lot of people will think, oh, gosh, you know, why are we talking about these teams? And sometimes you've got to talk about the teams at the other end of the league to find out what's going on. Uh, not everyone can talk about Manchester United. Not everyone can talk about Manchester City or Arsenal or Chelsea and say, oh, these things are great. And, you know, because they don't make up. There are other players. There are other teams. And sometimes you have to kind of look at what's going on for other teams and contrast the teams that were promoted and were relegated and see where they are in their new homes and halfway through the season. And this is where they are. Leicester, not so good. Bristol, not too bad. Um, and, you know, it's it, I think it's a measure in terms of what's going to happen in terms of Leicester's position. Are they in a position where they can come up? 
they're quite close. They're within arm's distance of the top teams. You know, they're quite close to Durham. They're quite close to Liverpool or at the top. Leicester, London City Lionesses are there. You know, so they're all kind of around about the same area. But for Leicester in the, in the WSL, it's a very different feel for them. You know, they one win, 10 games, nine losses. It's, it's, it's very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. So from that point of view, I would say, you know, looking at this, this festive period for, for teams and players and fans, for those two teams in particular, or who I've highlighted anyway, it will be a very interesting time of the year where they're probably thinking, well, you know, how's it gone so far? What can we do? And how are we going to change things going forward? Uh, for Leicester, they need to win games and they need to kind of go into the new year with some vigor and some some real desire and passion and all of the all of the key buzzwords that you hear in football but they need to get points on the board they need to score goals and keep clean sheets that's basically or at least score more than they're conceding which is which is really important for bristol it's about maintaining the good form that they've had in the last few games can they go on can they push on and challenge the teams at the top of the championship and will it give them a, a fighting chance to get back or be close enough towards the end of the season so that they can be in and amongst the the championship push for promotion which will be interesting for them because you know it, it's it, it will be um a challenge for them to jump back up straight away even though they they are a club that has been in WSL for a long period of time, but also because of the change of players, the change of management, but also with the change of management, there has been um, a change of mindset as well. And what I will say, considering that they had so many players leave and they brought players in and it was about, you know, getting players bedded in and, you know, trying to create an environment and atmosphere, which would get their campaign off to a good start, which they didn't have in their initial game. You know, in hindsight, I actually think that that was a real shake for them in terms of what they needed in in this division. Um, to lose so soon may have, you know, given them the kind of wake-up call that they needed to say, look, you're in a league that's going to challenge you every game. If you want to get out of it, you've got to be prepared all the time. You've got to be ready and you've got to commit from the minute the whistle goes to the end of the game or beyond. And, and I think it's really, really good for them. So in comparison, in comparison for both of those, for those teams, um, the start of 2021 in terms of the season has been different, but they both have aspirations to do extremely well going forward in 2022. Can Leicester stay up? Big question. You know, that's, that's difficult considering the amount of money they've spent, but also in comparison to Bristol and Championship, you know, do, will they have enough about them? Will they go out and bring players in, in in the January window, if that's possible? I did see Reading bring someone in. Welcome, Sunny. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting to see what's going to happen going forward. It's going to be a real, real shake-up for them. Uh, and, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen, you know? But it's interesting. So that, that for me, is a kind of the, what I've looked at so far. It's been interesting for me to look at those teams and say, where are they now? What happened? Anyway, um, the podcast, you know, please do check it out. We've had great guests. We've had great conversations this season uh, with Emma, with Ali, with DM, with Craig, um, with Sophie, the interviews that I did with Sherelle. Um, you know, we make football 
campaign, you know, organization, really, really good stuff. So I'll check it out, please do. Um, and hope to do some more stuff in, in the second half of the season. So in terms of the, the games that happened at the weekend and all of the football has been impacted by the coronavirus, which is really strange because when you say it, everyone's like, oh, coronavirus, it's like it's, it's not it's been around for such a while. You know, I posed the question about Premier League clubs not being COVID ready. I don't know if the same could be said about clubs and teams in the women's game. I, I just believe that, you know, too much in football is short-term planning. Everyone thinks that things are going to be done by Christmas and if it's going to be done by the end of the season. You know, if you spend some time looking at pandemic and not just about the coronavirus and about things that have happened many, 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 many years ago, any kind of pandemic is as a five-year cycle. And it's going to take some time. And, and in terms of being ready to play games, being um, safe in terms of hygiene and all of those things that we should be doing every day in our lives, uh, we just have to be vigilant all the time and I expect clubs to be that as well. But, you know, that isn't the case. And because of it, some games have been called off. And with this pending news that's happening, what might happen, or with the government saying whether or not there might be an increase in restrictions, who knows? There is a likelihood, possibility, that games could be played behind closed doors. Shock, horror. Who knew that was going to happen? Oh, no. No, we didn't know that was going to happen. Um so and if it does happen, at least we know that there are platforms in place like the FA Player. If the BBC get their act together, they could do that as well. Show games. Sky have got their deal. And, you know, teams, are, they know their way around YouTube. So there is that. So if it does happen, fans, you know, never fear. You will still get access to the football that you love and so dearly need. Uh, in terms of the results, games that did go ahead in the last round of games in the Championship, Coventry and Watford, I mean, I could talk about those two teams all day, but I thought I'd change it a little bit at the beginning. Uh, Coventry and Watford, obviously, the, the six-pointer derby ended up being a draw. Go figure. Um, so they score a goal each, a point each, same points. And going forward, it'll be very difficult to see where those teams get their points and their wins in the championship. Um, it will be tough. It'll be interesting. And I'm sure they will do their, their level best to make it so for those that watch the game. Um, elsewhere, Durham um, had a shaky start against Blackburn Rovers, for those who did watch the game. And if you do watch it, it'll be very entertaining, very, very interesting game. And they put the afterburners on, you know, as they say, realised they were rattled, realised that they had an, an opportunity to gain points. Liverpool weren't playing due to whatever reason. Uh, and they would run out... Um, winners taking all three points and scoring three goals, really good for them, you know, pushing them closer to Liverpool. It's all interesting at the top of the championship. But in the WSL, for those games that did play, take place, <gasps> shock horror, were the games cancelled? Yeah, there were games cancelled. Uh, Manchester United, um, you know, in their groove, in their Christmas boogie-woogie, dispatching Aston Villa for a cool five goals to nil. Now, I know that a lot of the Manchester United fans have this ongoing love affair with Carla Ward. Yes, you do. Yes. Uh, but she will not be happy with what you guys dished out at the weekend. Um, Aston Villa will need to go back and look at themselves. They've been playing some really good football of late. And I don't believe that was the kind of performance or the scoreline they would have predicted going into this game, whether or not the players were feeling the effects of COVID, as a lot of players and clubs have been saying of late, and this is something that's happened to some teams, who knows. 
or was it just that the fact that they turned up and they saw Manchester United's tracksuits and were a little bit shook? Sorry, I didn't mean to say that word, but, you know, intimidated because of the label, badges, etc. and sponsors. We're going to talk about sponsors later, don't worry. Um, but it's not a good look. And uh, But don't worry, you know, teams in the Premier League are getting beat 4-0, 7-0. So losing 5-0 is not just a WSL thing, it's a football thing. Uh, moving away from them, Tottenham. Um, continuing their good, good, good run of of performances and games in the league, um, taking all three points, 1-0 win against Everton, who have a new manager. So Tottenham staying at the top of the table, good for them, doing really good things. Everton still looking to find that change of gear that they need to move them up the table. Harsh world, harsh world we live in. So Everton, got to find your groove. Uh, we've spoken about Leicester, and this is the game that they did win. They played Birmingham, the six-pointer. Can you believe it? They did win against Birmingham, who was also done at the bottom of the table with them in the WSL. Um, I did hear a really strange thing in terms of the commentary once. And, you know, I think it was one of the, the many former players or talking about who should stay up or who might stay up or who deserved to stay up in the WSL. And, you know, they casually said, you know, it's got to be Leicester because they, they back their team. Um, from a football fan point of view, it's all about what you do on the pitch. I know that there's this thing about, you know, football has to have money. But for those aspiring players who are, you know, following Birmingham, you know, that's the team they love. That's the team they follow. If their club doesn't have any money, unfortunately, that's what they that's the lot they have. But whether they deserve to stay in the league, I think that's down to what the players do on the pitch. Over the season, and the league will tell, you know, at this moment in time, Birmingham aren't in a very good position. Leicester, just about. Um, and in terms of games won, you know, you could say that Leicester may have the edge. But Birmingham do have a point. So not as if they don't have any points. So all of that can change in a heartbeat. And it will take two wins. It will change things. And as for Aston Villa, who took a heavy defeat, people are starting to look over their shoulder now in the WSL and think, wow. What is going on? Where, what are we going to do? And how are we going to deal with this? But one of the things that I wanted to ask, and moving away from the WSL, this is this is a really kind of serious thing. And, you know, for me, what is what is a safe space in the women's game? And I ask that as a, as a man who's new to the game as a fan, still learning, still getting to grips with some of the, the former players and, and, and their you know, heroes, status in terms of, 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 of what fans think of them and their space. And, and I saw a tweet which really kind of brought about not just a, a conversation in, 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 in the UK, but it literally was right across the pond. Um, you know, a particular player is returning to action after retirement and it's caused a stir. Normally it's, it's caused what you call an international conversation. And I, I'm I'm baffled in a sense as to how this this can not say not happen, but it's just it's 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 what I see as a really strange thing. There is an issue about whether or not the women's game in football is a safe space. What does it mean to be um gay, queer, LGBT in, in women's football. This is a space where we've got, you know, 
Megan Rapinoe, who's seen as like the icon, the spokesperson, you've got other players and you've got Alex Morgan talking about things. And, you know, in terms of the, the Walsall for uh, the shorter term, it's, you know, these people are seen as as the the individuals will speak out and speak up and, and be there to support. And for whatever reason, you know, there is a, there is a particular team that has gone about and, and, and done things in a very strange way where those players don't feel safe anymore. Those players don't necessarily feel as if it is the right place for them to be. And the clubs in question, they are not necessarily, um, they're not necessarily doing things which are of a benefit to them. And this particular player has come out and has made it very, very uncomfortable in a sense for those individuals in the locker room to, to to basically exist because of the, their beliefs, their religious beliefs, their beliefs about sexuality, etc. And, and and I just thought, what is, what is it to be? Is women's soccer a, a safe space to have conversations? You know, and then I started to, to, to kind of pull away from that and think, well, not not just about is it a safe space? You don't. So much of what I see from the women's game where everyone talks about the NWSL being, you know, the benchmark, you know, football is is a really strange thing because we see it as this 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 champion of change, this this forum where, you know, we can there's allyship and people can, can come together and say, you know, we don't accept that. We'll fight against homophobia. We'll fight against bigotry. We'll fight against racism. But yet you have players that are in the locker room that don't necessarily agree with those positions, that go against those positions, that will open, that are openly outspoken uh, against in, in terms of those conversations. And it's almost like everyone's like, oh, that shouldn't be allowed. And then you have to pause and think, but this is in America. And if you step away from the world of football, and this is why I posed the question, what is the safe space in the women's game? In America, there is so much crap going on politically, state by state, not just about people not supporting, you know, gay rights. There's an issue about abortion going on in states around America, women's rights to their own body, images, imagery, advertising, the Me Too, all of that. In America, which has kind of gone beyond America's shores and has touched every place in Europe and Africa and elsewhere, but I'm like thinking, what is what is it to be a what is it? Are there safe spaces? Are, is there an expectation that you're not going to find bigotry? Because I, you know, as a man, as a black man going to watch football, is it difficult for me to say I expect there not to be racism in football? I've been on this planet far too long to know that there are people who are racist. They're racist. And you know that you're going to be around them. They're going to be on your train to work. They might be in your workstation area in terms of the floor that you work on. They may even be in your club. Everyone says a lot of things, but the reality is that in this on this planet, there are people who have different views. You've only got to take what's happening with COVID vaccines to see that people who you thought were rational and, and thoughtful about their day-to-day lives have this this really hard stark view to what's going on so what is it 
what is a safe space in the women's game? And is there a an expectation for that space not to have any different voice? And I think that's the thing. And I'm not saying it shouldn't be the case. You know, I'd love to live in a world where there isn't any racism, but I live in this world and I know <laughs> I know that's not gonna happen anytime soon, you know. And I know a lot of people before me have been trying to live in a world where there isn't any hate or bigotry where there is a fight for equality, but you're always going to find someone that says, you know, something different to you. You like, hey, look at that. It's a really nice blue sky. And it's all come along and goes, no, it's not. It's red. Merry Christmas. Um, so, you know, what is, what is it to be in a safe space in the women's game? Or do clubs have a duty to ensure... And I know that, that and I, I'm, I, I ask this question not because to, uh, to be problematic or I'm genuinely thinking, what is a safe space? What is a safe space in women's football? And, you know, I, I, you know, as a man, I'm looking at thinking, I generally, I'm asking the question, I'm thinking, I have no idea. Ideally, you would expect the teams, the league to speak out on, on, on a player's behalf on a particular issue to clamp down on certain things, but some clubs can't even clamp down on people getting, not getting a vaccine or speaking out against the vaccine. So there is always going to be this issue of free speech. There's always going to be difference. There's always going to be an opposite opinion. And I suppose when you look at it, when you think about it, um, I, I would say that women's football does have a safe space to a degree, to a degree. Um, but it's, it's at the behest of those who run the game. And it's about who runs the game. Who Who is actually in control of football? Not just women's football, but in, in control of football. And you have to ask yourself again, not just in, in the American um, leagues around the world, how often have those who have been in charge of the game put the well-being and safeguarding and safety of others in their, you know, in their midst, the, one, the ones that they are responsible for, have they put that at the forefront of their business model? Because that's what it comes down to it. Once you step away from the pitch and for those who run the game, it's a business model. Um, and I, I believe, you know, the safe space that, you know, players need, the safe space that fans need, I think that is created through the conversations that they have with one another. I believe that social media has been a, a great platform for that in terms of creating a safe space. Um, but it's it's to, to, to not expect that there will be individuals who have a different point of view from you in the same sport that you love, in the same sport that you follow, in the same sport that you will spend a considerable amount of your time and revenue going to support, I think is a little bit, not foolish is the word, but I, I would say it's almost, it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible to say that you're going to have that safe space where, where all of the things you want to be okay are always okay. And I, I believe it will only be that way when the individual's and when the individuals who run the game are different and they have a different different point of view, maybe a different gender, 
different sexuality, diff a different political outlook, all of those things, all of those things. Um, and and it and it's it's a conversation for me when I, I saw the tweet, and I don't even want to mention the player's name because I just think to myself, I don't need to, you know, for those, I was, I was shocked in a way by what I saw on Twitter. I was thinking, oh my gosh, there's such a strong reaction to this player coming back. And, you know, her religious beliefs and, she, and, and, and what she said openly and management have supported her openly. And I'm not thinking, wow, there was me as, a, as someone who was new to the game thinking that the NWSL was at a particular place. And then I had to real, I had to shake myself, a good old shake, and realize, no, the NWSL is in America. And America right now, in terms of its level of decency, in terms of its level of equality and equity, in terms of its level of being forward-thinking and courageous in, and looking out for those in terms of voting rights, safety, in terms of those in, in economic despair, social housing, you name it. It's in a bad place. It's at the bottom of a well. So the fact that you can, you know, we can go and look at, you know, the NWSL and think that it's you know, saving grace. It's, it's like, well, okay, you know, that's great. But look at where it's sitting. It's sitting, you know, on the edge of something that's has a lot going wrong. So I'm not surprised. I, I, I am not surprised. And, um, you know, maybe that's foolish of me. Maybe, you know, I need to have a conversation with someone else who has who knows much more than me, who has a greater grasp of what's going on. But, you know, for, I look at it and I think, you know, I, I'm not sure that I would expect if I walked into a, any particular workplace and say, hey, guess what? No one in this place is going to be racist. I can guarantee it. Just not going to happen. Not going to happen. No, I've worked in places where people are racist. I've had conversations with people who are racist. I know they're racist, but we still talk. We still talk. So, you know, when it's a safe space and you know that someone doesn't like a particular player because, you know, that player may be gay and they say, I don't like gays. You know that they're on the same team, they're in the same locker room. You know, that's not a safe space. What kind of conversations happen beforehand? But they still want to play football. They still have that same desire to win. And you just think, well, you know, the conversations need to take place. Is it always going to be a safe space? I hope so. But it's not going to be a place where there is no no alternative view or no alternative position. I think it's, that's almost impossible. And I say that from someone who's lived as a black man in a world where, you know, you hear so frequently quotes like, well, you know, Um, anyway, let's leave that alone. Let's leave that alone. Merry Christmas. It's Christmas. Mince pies. Um, the, <laughs> the other thing that, you know, moving away from that, moving away right away, and, and it's not so much right away. It's a little bit away because there was another, there was another thing. There's always stuff happening. There was something else that happened. That I saw, you know, obviously players and expansion, the NWSL draft blew my mind. No idea what was going on with that. Um, the financial independence and sponsorship of, of clubs. I saw a tweet. I did. I saw a tweet. 
uh, Angel City FC, right? They were tweeting. Uh, we are, and I'm going to read the tweet. We are encouraging financial education and empowerment for women with this partnership. So they're, they're partnering Angel FC, Angel City FC, new team, NWSL, um, crypto, crypto.com, founding partners, crypto, crypto.com, Bitcoin. And I just thought, hey, you know, there's so much conversation going on about financial independence, um, what's happening with um, the, the growth of the game, you know, where are we going, you know, what the expectation that we have for for the women's game and we want it to grow and we need it to be away and you know in the UK there's a sky deal and we're going to get give them more money and oh my gosh isn't that great and you've got play teams in in the WSL who are on, don't have any money not enough funding you know Birmingham situation which everyone knows about and everyone's oh man it's terrible and some teams are part-time players not getting enough wages etc etc and you just think okay sponsorship outside source business women yes that makes sense totally makes sense this is this is this is going to happen this is this is what we're going to do this makes sense right and then you can see someone's retweeted and they're not happy and he says you know if the nwsl could stop trying to scam its players and fans you know it would be great you know but I don't believe everyone's going to welcome, you know, crypto.com or anything to do with Bitcoin, etc. And not to use that Bitcoin is the only, but I'm using Bitcoin as the, the umbrella of all, you know, cryptocurrencies um, that they want to get into sponsoring the women's game to, to push their brand, to, you know, donate some money to... Um, a women's team, women's football team, and, you know, kind of, you know, be cleansed in, in the eyes of the public because some people are still skeptical, make them slightly more attractive in terms of individuals. You know, I don't know if clubs can say they want to educate fans about financial, you know, with a partnership. I, You know, in terms of financial education, I, I don't know if, if football clubs, that's a different one. For me, it's new. But it made me think about sponsorship and, you know, sometimes football clubs, are, they have sponsors that you don't really talk about. And, you know, Lewis is, Lewis uh, FC, you know, they, they, for me, I think their model is fantastic. What they're doing is really, really great. But some football clubs don't have that. I mean, there's a particular club in the championship that are sponsored by a company called Randox. And I... I mean, I'd seen them play before this team. I looked to the sponsor on the shirt. I thought, you know, paid no attention to it. But it only became more, you know, infamous in terms of the name when there was the whole Conservative Party, you know, COVID contracts, mates, rates, all of that with Matt Hancock and a particular company, which is Randox. And then you start, oh, right, it's that company. That company is sponsoring... A team in in the championship and then you just think well really who actually pays any attention to the sponsors in the women's game what you know are they all ethical is it just some clubs that can do it and be ethical and and, and this is the question when we come down to when we talk about clubs trying to be financially 
um, sustainable, financially independent, that they choose their path and they go with companies who are trying to want either, you know, crypto.com become more acceptable to the wider public or other companies who are already known and have their hands firmly in the handshake of someone in parliament or power and you think oh is that where they're getting oh i see and then you, you i mean some football fans really don't care because they just want to watch the game but for others it's a question where you think is that is that okay is 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 this what we're is this what we're going to do um i don't know and and it's it's just something that kind of stood out for me and i just thought i've never really paid much attention to all of the sponsors that are around the game and whether they have, for a better word, a clean bill of health in terms of their business acumen and, and, and where they've been before. So it will be interesting going forward. You know, those are the kind of things <laughs> uh, that have stood out for me so far. Um, but coming back to where I started right at the beginning, you know, um, 2021 coming to an end and um i've really enjoyed it i've really enjoyed the podcast and you know i've really enjoyed speaking to so many people um the conversations have been great um challenging interesting love watching the game uh but the best things out of 2021 apart from meeting new people apart from being able to do this podcast and uh, actually and, and thanking and be thankful for the individuals that have spared their, spent, spared their time or given up their time, should I say, uh, to be here. Um, two things that have stood out for me that I thought, one, one definitely has to be um, the Olympics in the summer. I watched that and I thought it was fantastic. Uh, and to watch um, Canada uh, win gold, um, Bev Priestman, who I did speak to on this podcast many months ago, uh, who who was number two to Phil Neville at the time while he was a manager for the Lionesses, leave these shores, go to a country and pick up Olympic gold is fantastic. And to watch the football they played was great. And all of a sudden now more and more people are looking at, you know, the Canadian football team and saying, oh, you know, who are these players? Can we, can we know more about them? Which is good. And the second well, I say one the second. The other big thing that I thought was the best thing for 2021 in terms of women's football was the zone. I thought the zone, um, you know, widening the access in terms of visibility for the Champions League with their 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 um, distribution of the games on on YouTube is, as they say, game changed. You know, it's phenomenal being able to watch games in English or different language. Um, being able to see the games again because they're on YouTube, they're not tucked away, they've cottoned onto it, they've seen the market, knowing what they're going to do for the Champions League is is phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. And with that, if you miss a game, you know you can go back and, one, catch the highlights, two, watch the game on repeat. So for me, like the best things, those are the two things that have really stood out for me so far in 2021 it's been great for just those that like in terms of access and as a fan you want to watch as much football as possible particularly if we're locked down again we can't go to games and we're watching games behind closed doors uh knowing that that is available 
on YouTube is fantastic. Knowing that it's accessible is brilliant. Super, super, super. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's all all good stuff. All good stuff. Um, I will say again, I thank everyone. I say again, thank everyone who was a part of the podcast this year in 2021. Um, hopefully, I will see those individuals on screen and hear their voices in 2022. Um, this has been great, um, you know, and I, I, I thank everyone who has uh, listened and sent comments and uh, questions, and it's been really, really um engaging i've been uh, and, and and i've been happy i've been happy to get the engagement and and happy to uh, deliver the content which i think is really good anyway uh that's enough from me it's a merry christmas and i know it's, it's it says merry christmas to 2021 it hasn't necessarily been ho 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 um this this conversation but it has been for me an important one because it's uh, what we do here Sometimes we go a little bit off the beaten path to uh, to look at things in a slightly different way. And it's not just about what happens on the pitch. All right. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm Roddy Cyrus. This is On and Off the Pitch. This was a well so style pod chat. A little bit of WSL, a little bit of a championship, a little bit of NWSL, etc. And that's it for now. I'm going to see you guys in 2022. Until then, laters. Just want to watch the game.